Right, we're on episode 53, I believe, of Friday Night Counter-Attack, and uh, we're back again, and we've got some fresh faces on, so this is going to be fun for everyone listening, but the person who's not going to enjoy today's podcast is me, the only one who's a Man United fan in the conversation where we're talking about Man United versus Arsenal, and um, for this, I got a few... I'm a Man United fan, just to stop you. Oh, like, you know? Yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah. so I misread the message. He's the Arsenal fan. He's the Arsenal fan. So we've got two versus two today. This is going to be good. I've got some exactly. new adversaries. And I've got oh, a new adversary man. next to me, so this will be good. Um, but yeah, let's go for the introduction. So we've got um, our pair from Away Day Podcast. If you're okay to just introduce yourself one by one, that'd be great. All right. My name's Zim from Away Games Podcast. And I'm Sean from the same place as Zim. <laughs> Uh, um, we've got one Man United fan and one Arsenal fan, right? From the two of you? Yeah. 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 Arsenal fan. I'm a Man United fan. There's only one Arsenal. Brilliant. No. There's <laughs> going to be so much to talk about with this as well. And we've got uh, one of my old friends from uh, secondary school. We've got Lewis, who is a Bud and Arsenal fan. We've spent yeah. years arguing over Man United and Arsenal games, and there'd be so many arguments in terms of Hamza, stop posting po- uh, oh, pictures yeah, of Man United yeah, pictures yeah, yeah, yeah. when Arsenal win. You're doing my nothing, it'd be something like that. But no. Um, Lewis, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. I Cheers. appreciate that. How have you been, Lewis? You been okay? Yeah, been good, been good, been good. Looking forward to Thursday. Uh, for better or worse, we'll see what happens. But yeah, been good otherwise, man. I am glad that you're doing really well. I am not looking forward to Thursday because if we had Ralph Ragnick in, in the dugout, I'd be optimistic about it. But Michael Carrick versus Mikel Arteta, not Do so comfortable about that. I have to ask you, United fans, yeah. Mm. What is it about Ralph you guys are looking forward to? Because I, fair enough, he's built a team. He's built teams up like RB Leipzig and he's built them to where they are. But you know those teams have never won anything. It's become really See, competitive. Why, why do you, people talk about... Okay, so him getting them promoted, like, you, you don't count that as significant, like, based on where they came from. Dean Smith got Villa promoted. No, 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 no. It's not that. It's because Villa was in the championship already. I'm talking about from like division four in Germany to Champions League semi-final. That's that's substantial. That is substantial. That's very that's substantial. substantial. So yeah. that's like, real life football manager. Real life football manager right there. He actually did it. Just yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you take that from a Man United like level yeah. and then go on further. It's but what if that is his ceiling? Now for me, this Definitely. is what it is. It's not the fact that we're gonna have him for six months. It's the fact that we're actually having after for two years in a consultancy role. Yeah, um, no, so I can't disagree with that. If you're looking at um, if you're looking at how Man United have been run over the last six, seven years since Rex Ferguson has left and since David Gill has left, uh, MJ's just joining the pod, so he's another Arsenal fan. We'll get let MJ set up. But basically, my 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 theory is basically the fact that we're actually going to have proper footballing men in in the boardroom. So like how Edu is yeah. up there for Arsenal, how you've got um. Someone like Marina at Chelsea who can manage footballers and, and their egos and their agents properly, which is really good for Chelsea. And they've done fantastic as well. Um, Liverpool had that guy, I think his, his left now, I think it was Michael Edwards, I think they had. Yeah. So Man United have never had that. So, uh, mm-hmm. so Ed Woodward, Matt Judge, um, Richard Arnold, they're not footballing men, they're businessmen, bankers. they're accountants, poor. they're bankers. Yeah, they're so ha- having someone paying £52 million for Fred, £80 million for Maguire, uh, £50 million for Wan-Bissaka, if you had a footballing man there, you'd be like, no chance. No chance of you spending that money on these kind of players. Um, yeah. And it's not going to happen because they don't know how football negotiations work. But Ralph Ragnick does. He's been in the game for four generations, yeah. four decades. True. His manager, yeah. the top level that, of German football. That's the and thing. Yeah. Sorry, Karen. That's Luke. the thing. Yeah, no, like, um, I think if we're looking, I'm looking objectively, um, obviously, as a United, uh, as an Arsenal fan, you wish 
you wish the worst for United, but um, you know, especially when it came to appointing a manager after Ole, um, if they were looking for someone in the interim period, and then uh, and then looking for an actual manager by summer, um, I think the way they've gone about it actually kind of makes sense, especially for someone that has more of a long term approach for United. I mean, it's not the right club. You can't apply a kind of a Chelsea s model. It's the same with Arsenal. You can't apply that kind of model for a club like that has had figures like Fergie and uh, Wenger um, <laughs> at the helm for so long. Yeah. It's kind of an identity crisis going on with United because, um, in that sense, in terms of like its personnel, in terms of what they want to, um, everyone knows what they want to achieve, but how they do it is, and I think we've suffered from the same thing at Arsenal, where the owners kind of just think the stature of the club alone will keep it where it is. Yeah. And they don't have to think about it anything further than that. Like, it's just the United way. But it comes to a point where it's like, it's been so long since Fergie. What yeah. even is the United way anymore? Yeah, yeah. no, this is, this, this, there's something yeah. I'm touching with that, though, because, um, yeah, Fergie was in charge for, like, more than two decades, and we had so much success in that. But... And people do realise, but people don't mention uh, Matt Busby. And it's like, Fergie modelled the fact that we brought through young players um, and, you know, we had an expansive network in the 50s as well. So, you know, getting players from uh, the rest of North England and Wales and Ireland, etc., was probably the equivalent of now getting players from Portugal and um, some parts of, like, West Africa, etc. We've always had, like, the international feel and youngsters coming through and basically high pace, high pace football. So there is a United way beyond Fergie. I think now though, we can't rely on just the fact that we're a big yeah, club. And that's yeah. what, what you guys have been saying. Ralph Rag- Ragnick knows how to put a club in good stead. And yeah. he's sort of like a manager's manager in the sense that he he brings through coaches. Like a lot of managers bring through young players. He brings through coaches. So I think hit the appointment after this six-month tenure, um, I'll trust more than I've trusted the board previously. Because we would hopefully have a like a solid way of playing Not in place. Minutes. And then going forward, have the right manager to take that way of playing forward. Let me quickly jump online, yeah. <clears throat> I'll see you in a second, Trezzy. Um yeah, sorry, Zimba, you were saying. Yeah, so. The fact that, you know, you can have a, a way of playing and then get a manager who specialises in that way of playing, whether it be a Ten Hag or whatever, and then take that going forward. And also have the right players doing the right jobs for that way of playing. So not just getting players for their namesake or just getting them because, you know, mm. um, social media following or whatever. Mm. Like actually getting the right players to do the right job for the style that we want to play. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, because... That's the thing with Ralph Ragnick, sorry. It's the fact that you mentioned how Man United played for a good number of years, but it's just the fact that Ralph Ragnick will evolve to the next stage because if you look at how um, Arsenal played once upon a time and Liverpool played once upon a time, they just evolve year in, year out. And Man United have played that way under Sir Alex Ferguson, under Mm. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, where Sir Alex Ferguson could go to the plays, go out and enjoy it, express yourself, be free and have fun playing. But you can't do that in this day and age when you've got so much data analysis, so much stats and um, people running and showing some enthusiasm for attacking, but not so much attacking, um, not so much defending um, enthusiasm as well. And that's what it is, because Sir Alex Ferguson could get that out of the place. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer couldn't. And that was one of the things that I think that Ralph Ragnick can help us in terms of getting the next step um, for our new manager as well. Pochettino, Ten Hag. Luis Enrico is my choice, but I don't think he's going to come before a World Cup. But 
That's how yeah. I, I personally see it. What, what about Enrique do you prefer over Ten Hag, for instance? For me, uh, Enrique is a born winner. I've seen him win at Barcelona. You've seen him done it really well for Spain. So I was fortunate enough to go to the semi-final where Spain were playing against Italy and they lost on penalties. But the way mm, Spain played, for, 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 for international managers, it's always harder um, than club managers because you only see them for a good amount of time. But Luis Enrique and Mancini did really well for their, for their countries. But we saw Barcelona, prime Barcelona, under Luis Enrique in 2015 when they won the treble as well. He is a born winner and he can do that in terms of improving players and changing the way that the players play, which is yeah, something that I, I, quite, I quite passionately back Luis Enrique, but it's not going to be the case. It will be Ten Hag or Pochettino, yeah. best case scenario. I prefer Ten Hag, you know. And my only thing with Enrique is that in that 2015 team, which was excellent at MSN, I feel like not any manager, but having those front three with that many goals between them, mm. a lot of managers would have won a lot with that. So it doesn't stand out for me. It never stood out for me. He does have a way of playing, which is key, but it just doesn't stand out for me. I, I, I disagree. And I think MJ, who's just joined the, um, the call, will agree with me. The fact that there are certain managers that can get the best out of big players, like egotistical players. We haven't seen that with Ten Hag. We haven't seen Ten Hag try to manage a Ronaldo-type figure or a Bruno Fernandes or a Varane-type figure. And I think Lewis should agree with me as well. When you've got managers that um, they shrink in terms of the egos that they've got on, on the team. I think Emery kind of did that at Arsenal, yeah. wouldn't you say? PSG you happened. Have... PSG was under that impression mm-hmm. as well. The reason why, going back to my original question, why I was asking why there's this hype behind Ralph, Ralph yeah, is because I think when Arsenal got Sven Mislintat, and obviously what he had done at Bayern yeah. Munich, everybody was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I also finally got this guy. He came in, his best signing for us was a Bayern Mm. besides that there wasn't really anything and he's a footballing brain is does Ralph fit the Man United model will he be able to bring in the players it's such a difficult question because you just never know until he comes I think the most important appointment appointment for United is the one that's going to be made in six months time I think this one is going to be a nice little road that Man United is going to go on I think you're going to have quite a few good games good victories it's going to look very positive but the most important um, addition to Man United is who is your manager next season because if him and um, Ralph don't see eye to eye it's going to be a problem but Ralph, like we saw that between Emery and Sven Mislintat because then think, I think yeah. Ralph's going to be involved with who's who's the manager next to him and that's what I'm looking forward to more but so is Sven so oh, Mislintat really? was involved in, in the appointment of Emery and because Sven came when Wengel was coming out was leaving mm. and obviously so he would have had some say in Emery coming in the person that actually got rid I think it was was it Arteta that got rid of Sven Mislintat or was oh, he no, I think he left he, during the Emre period, actually. Even before Emre, Emre left, he actually yeah. left. And he didn't like the recruitment practices. That, I think there were too many hands in one pot. I was going to yeah. say, actually, in regards to that comment, I feel like Arsenal and United are in the same boat here. Yeah. Um, in the sense where we're, especially when the people that are running the club aren't like football people, they're mm. figuring out, as far as the structure is concerned for our clubs, how it should actually be run. Like, if we're looking mm. at... Um, City and Chelsea and their the way their board is run, there's a consistent theme going on there. We've we both of our clubs are still struggling with getting the right people in from all levels um yeah. at our clubs at, on a long-term basis and then sorting out everything else that comes after that. And the way our clubs are built is similar with Liverpool. It's more with a long-term vision instead of like you can't apply the same um approach that Chelsea, in my opinion. Uh, that yeah. Chelsea 
have had with and have had so much success out of purely because of the way things are run um, at our uh, clubs and the, and the way we approach things are different in that sense. So I think that's one key aspect. I think Ragnik, looking at his track record, managerial-wise, I think is a bit more dubious uh, um, in, in comparison to success compared to him operating at a higher level. So I'm more keen to see his effect as you said, like this six next six months more on stabilizing things. But after that, in the summer, that's when things really kick off for United as far as like restarting everything. Yeah. Um, Final word for me on Ralph Ragnit before we move on to the other topics is he signed Haaland uh, for RB Salzburg. He's got Sadio Mane, Roberto <clears throat> Firmino at Hoffenheim, Sabitzer, yeah. Naby Keita, uh, Kunate, Upamakano, and Joshua Kimmich. Uh, and Timo Werner as well, if you want to count, uh, count Timo Werner as a success. The reason I say he's a good man for our footballing board is because he can identify talent before their second or third club. Before their mm. second or third club, when they're the 50 million pound man, the 60 million pound man. So they get these, they identify talent a lot earlier, how Man United are used to do it. So just how um, Zimmer mentioned in terms of we were always the first or the second to buy some of these big talents in, in the UK once upon a time under Samat Busby and uh, under a Selex Ferguson, we do the same as well. And I think that's something that Ralph Ragnick can do, but on the global scale as well. Just like Arteta and Eddie right now, man. Just like Arteta exactly. and Eddie right now. Let's, let's get into that. Let's get into that. Yeah. Arsenal versus Man United or Man United versus Arsenal. Man United playing at home um, against uh, Arsenal on Thursday. So, MJ, welcome to the podcast. Good to have you back. Um, let's hear your first thoughts on how Arsenal will set up against Man United and if you think Arsenal will win, because I think Arsenal will win. I'll, I'll be blunt about it I don't think I'm quite confident with Michael Carrick at the wheel how do you see it MJ first of all thanks for having me I apologize for being late and that I feel like you know like when you come to class late and you sneak and you sit at the back of the classroom so I feel kind of like that at the moment so yeah I do apologize <laughs> for that but thanks for having me anyway uh yeah um from my perspective I'm never really confident when Arsenal play United at Old Trafford our record there is pretty poor um even <clears throat> we won there last year but even then I wasn't exactly confident um, since characters took over, I've seen a little boost in United. Uh, maybe not necessarily against Chelsea, the performance-wise, but you still got the result. Uh, midweek in the Champions League, done well again. Uh, picked up the victory. That pretty means that you're through to the next round. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not really sure about this one, to be honest. I'm not exactly confident. Uh, I'll take a draw now and just get out of there, to be honest. I think uh, the Ragnick effect will start to kick in soon. Uh, the players are looking a bit more confident in comparison to about two, three weeks ago. Mm. So I was really disappointed when he got rid of Oli because I was hoping that he would stay and bring these guys down further <laughs> a little bit more. Or at least, like, um, you know, uh, bring him in, or like bringing a new manager after he played Arsenal. But obviously, that's not going to happen. So, yeah, personally, I'm not exactly 100% confident, but I'll take a draw right now. Lewis, how are you feeling about the game? Do you reckon Arsenal can sneak a victory after last season's 1 0 win? To be honest, I think. Um... I think, uh, I don't know, to be honest, because uh, it's at Old Trafford. Um, I think our home record's been really good. Um, and our defence has been one of the best. Um, I personally feel like, uh, considering the form, uh, not on paper, even on paper now, maybe, but I think our, our defence is now not only the most consistent, but we've got we've got a solid foundation now leading into this game. So I think defensively, but you're going to be playing against players like if you're playing against Ronaldo players like that all it takes is maybe that one chance so um, mm. unless we're if we if we do win 
we've it's nicking something i'm more worried about our attack i think it's more just it depends how bad your defense is really on that on that day but i think our attack is probably a big big concern um with all things considered um so i don't think i think it will be a tight game i don't think it will be a thrashing but to say that we will win I, i don't feel fully confident about that i think i think if we get a draw, I'll be happy with that, to be honest. Keep it moving to the next game. There was a, uh, there was a time when um, I went to Man United versus Arsenal in the FA Cup, Lewis, and I sent you a Snapchat. I was like, I'm not confident for the game. And you're like, Hamza, it's three o'clock. The game's at eight. Why are you upset? And then uh, <laughs> like, it was like 9.30 or 9.40 when the game. And it was the one where Welbeck scored at Old Trafford. Uh, and then you just like sent me like, you okay? Like, uh, but you, you, you have this habit of... <laughs> You could, we could be in the mud, yeah. We could be the, we could be dead on form. Like we know we're probably going to lose against United at Old Trafford, but Hamza, yeah, he's always like, oh man, I don't know, you know, I feel like like, (laughs) that's what you're doing now. That's literally what you're doing. When you have Mustafi, yeah, but look, if I'm looking at form, yeah, um, if we're looking on form, you're on better. Arsenal should be beating United on form, in my opinion, in my Mm -hmm. opinion, because uh, take out the Liverpool game, we've had the best form in the league. Um, outside of the top um, top three, even uh, top four, top four, I'd say, but just generally, we've had much better form than you guys, including the games that we played. But on paper and the context of the game, when it's Arsenal and United, especially with it being one of the most important Arsenal United encounters in how long, oh, wow. because yeah. of the positions we're in, we're really competing for something this time. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it, it's it's going to be a spicy game. Like it's going to be something where. It really depends on what team turns up. If United play how they should have been playing since the start of the season on paper, which I don't think is likely because of the managerial issues at the moment, mm-hmm. um, then we'll we'll probably lose that game. But considering how well we are right now, I don't know. It balances out a bit more, you know. We have we have like better options, right? They apart don't. from they midfield, don't. apart from midfield, your only best option in the United team is Ronaldo. That's it. No, no, there's you, nowhere you, else. No. There's I, I need to. I need to. We gotta give him more credit. I need to interject. I need to. When you say on paper, do you mean on FIFA stats, or do you actually mean on paper? Because everyone just looks at FIFA stats for on paper, literally. I'm still no, no. I'm still looking on. You signed. No, I, I know you. Signed, I know. Look you. at your transfer window, man. You guys were chatting so much in the beginning of the transfer window. <laughs> I, I may. Um, may you still have to. You still have to have some of those expectations considering the caliber of players you bought. I know Maguire. Definitely. Look, Maguire last season was actually really good. This he's, season, he's suspended. This season he's tragic, which is good for us. Maguire's back. He's been tragic. He has been tragic, and Maguire's back for the Arsenal game. His suspension is over. For me personally, I do think Arsenal are going to win. Not going to lie to you. Hmm. And the reason why I believe Arsenal are going to win, they're going to win really well, is because after the Liverpool defeat, Arsenal need to show something in this game. There needs to be a bit of character and a bit of heart to show. Okay, do you know what the Liverpool games, the Man City, and the Chelsea's—they're just better than us. But where we where we kind of have to now align ourselves is in that place between those three and the following two, which is Tottenham and United. Mm. I think when you're looking at the hierarchy of the top three, Chelsea, Liverpool and City are in their own bracket. And then it's like, who's next in the top six out of that top three? And I think Arsenal really want that spot. And I think Arsenal have to beat United at Old Trafford because we like, do you know what Arsenal actually are doing something this at season. the beginning of the season though you weren't thinking that at the beginning no of the one season, was thinking no, that, at the beginning right? of the season was thinking we that, were, we were. Like, so, so how can you say that all of a sudden paper 
is different now because paper no. at the beginning of the season. The reason why you, I say paper, uh, do you know the reason why I say paper is because if we put down all the names and start the starting eleven mm-hmm. right, and just look at the names and how they've competed so far this season, yeah, there's no one in the United team that I can say I'll take over any member of the Arsenal team. Really? Because wow. The reason, well, the, wow. the reason why I also say that is because when Arsenal were in that slump of those first three games, yeah, mm-hmm. of where we were losing everything, Arsenal could have given up on the manager. They didn't. United players gave up on Ole. They gave up on Ole. Ole whether Ole was yeah, giving him the best point. acts in the world, he point. gave up on that. They gave up on him. I would never, I, I would I would rather have players that people think are not so good mm. that then become a team that work together where Arsenal is no longer about the individuals. You have a Bamian tracking back nowadays. You don't have a Bamian standing up front by himself waiting to score his goal. If a Bamian isn't scoring, he's standing in midfield. He's helping. He's he's making assists. He's, I think he's had like three or four assists in the last because he assisted Zach, um, Smith Rowe twice mm. and some, be- some other people, but he's been playing a better all-round game. Arsenal, as a team now, and the individual players, they're coming together and forming something. Whereas United, I couldn't tell you the last time I saw United yeah, yeah. move. Your call against Chelsea was from an accident. It wasn't because United picked out a great move and then got the goal. Arsenal are now working as a team where even like last week we had Tavares assisting. Mm. Arsenal had to build up to get the- through that game against Newcastle because... Newcastle literally played a low block. Last season, Arsenal gets a low block. We couldn't win those games. We kept drawing a lot of those games last season. Mm-hmm. This season, we've got through it. We've gone through the moments. We've gone through the motions. There's been a team that's been built that it's like, Tavares knows he needs Tomiyasu. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows they need each other. Whereas at Man United, that's not there. Yeah, it's I literally know. like, oh yeah, do not, let's try to chuck on Ronaldo and hope for the best. Hope for the best. I get what you're saying. And I, I think to an extent, I agree. I just don't agree. Like, I agree that you're in better form. You're definitely in better form with us than us like coming into the match. Yeah. But individually, I, I still disagree. I, I still think that you have to base it on what we were saying at the beginning of the season. So because, oh, no. no, because, because when they come into form, yeah. At their peak, basically, who would you prefer? Like, but it's, not, but it's not about who's come to form when, when you're in form. It's about who's in form now. Yeah, okay. it's, it's, it's always, like, always going to be about on who's in form now because we're form. talking about Thursday. We're not talking about uh, back in August as well. But yeah, it is okay. what it is. I, I, yeah. I think you could be saying these things probably like after the game, if I was looking at... Uh, because the, the games like Liverpool and stuff like that, even some of the Palace... Like even that Palace game, the Brighton game, there's still moments I feel that the Arsenal team aren't gelling in the midfield to the attack. And I, I still think United's midfield, um, quality-wise, I mean, apart from Partey, in the, I mean, Lukonga on form is performing, especially in the recent game, he's been performing better than, obviously, Fred and <laughs> McTominay. But, yeah. But, but, but don't everyone's much. performing They've better. Been performing better. <laughs> <laughs> this, that's not new. That's what I'm saying. In midfield, you have better on paper. Yeah. I just feel like... The only, like I said, the only player I think I'll take from the United team, two, sorry, is Ronaldo and Pogba. I Pogba. personally, I like Pogba. Oh, Pogba and Partey? Yeah. Pogba and Partey would be something else. Besides that, there's no United player that I'm just envious of. Even if... Yeah, your back line. Well, David De Gea. David Varane, De Gea, surely. Varane, let's compare yeah. Varane and Ben White. What's come on? Hell David no De Gea. Come on. Come on. You're trying to save face with that one. You're just trying to save face for that 50 million. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Are you telling me? World class is world class. Varane is world class. But this season. You need to look how many clean sheets we've had. Just an injury, basically. Just because. Even when he comes back, he hasn't performed that well. You know what? Our win record. You know what? With him and without him, like it's significantly different. Fair. So, yeah, I don't think people have given credit for how well we've tra- not only turned things yeah. around, but 
how well we have been playing. Personally, I don't think people are giving no. the credit that. We, I mean, Tomiyasu, pro- like, he's come on, man. Come on. Some of the the form, like, just the way we play consistently, bar that Liverpool game. Yeah. It was pretty good. Yeah. Come on, man. Um, we have, think, we have I, I that we're... counter-attack have given praise to Arsenal as well, so I'll, I'll take it on there. Um, but just moving on the conversation, because we could go on all night about this. Because remember, this podcast comes out on Friday. All of your conversation about this game is obsolete, because by the time we listen to it, um... Arsenal would have won 3-1 already. <laughs> Arsenal now we'll won lose the way. Obama Yang would have scored the hat-trick against the Haya. Not in a big game. It will happen. It will happen. Um, but no, basically, you were, you were talking about who you take from Arsenal. Uh, and I just wanted to say that's one of our topics for today. Everyone gets to do their own little six aside for a combination of Arsenal and Man United, uh, past and present as well. So I, I, did, I did message all of you that. So hopefully you've come up with some or you're just going to come up with them on the cuff. Um, Lewis, I want to hear yours first. Oh, man, you're asking <laughs> the wrong guy right now still. But um... I'll put MJ on first. MJ's, MJ's good with these yeah, teams. Yeah, go on. Go on, MJ. <laughs> no pressure then, yeah? No pressure. I've got the pressure. Okay. Okay. All right. In goal, I have to go for Seaman in goal. Thank Even though Shamichael, obviously, in his day, was a big goalkeeper as well. But I'm going to go for Seaman in goal, innit? Go so I'll go for Seaman in goal first. All right. The defense, I'm going to go for. This is this was a, quite a tricky one. So I'll come up with Rio and Sol Campbell. I like I like when you do these teams because you took you take two players out just for defense and I'm not that guy. But no, no, you t- you put one for defense, innit? I'm like it's gonna happen on the six side pitch. Keep one in defense. Two of them don't need to yeah. stay back. But no, carry yeah, on. I hate you. <laughs> Defenders are team, the attack of the team, innit? You need them both in England's first choice centre back once upon a time. There you go. Exactly. Can't get much better than that. Hopefully, mm-hmm. uh, in midfield, I'm gonna go for Vieira. So he can he can just do a bit of everything. He can just hold down the whole midfield by himself, and then up top, I'm gonna go for Henri and Van Nistelrooy. Needs to be done. That ideal partnership up front. Simple, simple as that, really. Um, for me, um, mine's a bit a bit different. I'm like 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 I say all the time. Um, for the way they podcast and all the listeners and for Lewis, basically what I do is when we do six exercise, we imagine it how we would actually see it on like a goals or a power league pitch, like mm. literally that kind of small pitch, not like um, mm. something major, but. In goal, David De Gea. David De Gea could save the Titanic, as a famous Arsenal fan once said once upon a time as well. So David De Gea is my all-time uh, Man United versus Arsenal goalkeeper. He saved that amazing penalty against Robin Van Persie as well in that 8-2 win, so I'm quite mm. happy about that. Uh, I've got, only got one defender. This one's called Ashley Cole, one of the best fullbacks I've ever seen in my life. Unfortunately, he was an Arsenal player for quite a few years of his life. Same at Chelsea, so that was a bit mm. annoying for me. Um, this one's a bit odd, but I'm going for Paul Scholes in the midfield. I think Paul not Scholes. Odd. Yeah, no, it's, it's, that's not. Odd. It's, no, it's, that's a good choice. It's it's good, but it's like you've got you've only got one person in defence. Like, but then with the three up front, Henri, Van Nistelrooy, and Rooney, they're gonna get goals, isn't it? Goals, goals, goals. Madness, yeah, yeah. It's gonna work. But basically, I'd like Ozil in contention. I'd Keane Vieira in contention. Gilberto Silva in contention. Fabregas in contention. Lewis, I'm giving you hints here if you're going to take any of these. No, I've written mine now. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Go for it, Lewis. Let's see your teeth. I'm surprised you put De Gea, to be honest, thinking about Schmeichel. It's it's more like the Arsenal games that we played. I know Van der Sar's had some decent games with Schmeichel, but De Gea is like that 13 or that 15 save game that you had at the Emirates when we won. Yeah, that was crazy. I can't believe that game. game. De Gea was so good. 
that was heartbreaking. Yeah, mm. but I thought we actually played quite well as well up until that yeah, point, like the final third, like when it came to actually in front of. But then I mean, we also did hold eight tees against United, so you know. It's been, it's been <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, if you if you look at my background right there, you can see Rooney scoring. Yeah, against. yeah, yeah. But we'll we'll move on. We'll move on. Come on, Lewis. Let's let's hear your team. I think mine. Uh, I'll put Ramsdale in goal. Oh my no, God. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm putting. I'm wow. putting. No, I'm putting Seaman. I'm putting Seaman in. Good man. Um, I, I'm going to do the same. Uh, two defenders, one midfielder, uh, uh, two attackers. Uh, so I've got Adams, <clears throat> Tony Adams, and Rio Ferdinand mm-hmm. in the back, and I've got Vieira and uh, Ronaldo and Henri. Good so man. Up front. That's yeah, dangerous. Yeah. That is. That is. I That's thought Rio like, could, because he can pass and everything. Adams will just stay there, and you have a little bit going on in the midfield and in the defense. And then Ronaldo mm-hmm. and Henri speaks for itself. It was a toss up between Burkamp and Henri, but I thought I'd be a bit nice. Uh, it's a squeezing the United player, isn't it? Trust. trust. We're yet to see a Burkamp <laughs> and Henri top two up front. So let's see if the last two. Are you going to do yeah. it as a two or are you going to do it as one? Away they pop okay, politics, yeah, yeah, politics. The baddest thing is because it's so lopsided, right? It's so lopsided. Yeah. Man United fans always pick at least, let's say, five Man United picks and one Arsenal <laughs> just to be kind. Trust. And vice versa. Just try so, and fit uh, one in there. Yeah. Go on, let's hear it. Let's hear oh, it. You go I, first. I, I, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. Good, good with his feet. Um, kept like the longest clean sheet records obviously with Rio and um, Vidic in front of him I think it was like 20 games or so, something crazy like that um, mm-hmm. incredible underrated um, but that's the goalkeeper uh, I'm going to go for Lehman for Arsenal right. uh, I'd go for Lehman he's one of the one of the only Arsenal um, what you call it goalkeepers to ever get to Champions League final okay. he was a leader from that goal uh, Isn't he the only Arsenal keeper to ever get to a Champions League final? Because yeah, we've only been to one Champions League final. <laughs> and you well, win it, so I don't think we want to count Almunia, to be honest. Yeah, sub goalkeeper yeah. coming on like that. No, I get that. Go on then. What have we um, got next? Rio, Rolls Royce, um, obviously just changed the whole perspective of where it is to be a centre back. So you can definitely do two roles in a six aside pitch as well. Like, I think that's the one. Um, I'm going Tony Adams. More solid. Solid. Well, six aside, you don't need too much, but yeah. Yeah, is the one one, yeah. Um then I'm not I'm not gonna do a second defender. I'll go for um skulls, um dictating just quick one touch stuff. That's what you need, especially in a small court. So yeah, skulls for me in midfield. Also, also um Pogba for me, because in mm. six aside you definitely need flair. So if you've got someone with vision and flair, like a bit of trickery with real covering. Yeah, it's a no-brainer for me. So my midfield is going to be Roy Keane and Fabregas. Ooh, that's a good combination. Ooh. Yeah, there's, there's nothing Ooh. else at all. Roy Keane and Fabregas. Why, why Fabregas over Skulls Vieira? Why Fabregas? That's it. That's it. Uh, because Fabregas, when he first came into the game at that young age, yeah, he was just something else. He was captain of Arsenal at such a young age. Although Arsenal didn't have many leaders at that time, he was able to carry that club and then for what he went to do at for the rest of his career I think he actually is one of the most and I think I love the fact that everybody always says he's one of the slowest players I've ever seen but just how he thought and used his brain was just outrageous so I would go for those two and especially with someone like Keane Keane would bully everybody hand off to Fabregas mm. and just let him do what he needs to do mm. Fair enough. You, Solid. 
you find it sad that some Arsenal fans don't know who Sass Fabregas is because time has moved on? It's heartbreaking. Mm. It's heartbreaking. Not that long ago, though, is it? That's not freaking. Not many Arsenal fans know yeah, that's the thing. Like people, oh yeah, used to play for Chelsea. Play Chelsea, for Monaco. yeah, oh, like, it's people in that stage. Chelsea, oh, yeah. oh, that's this. It's odd that basically because yeah, I because because I'm like coaching at the moment, and they're like, oh yeah, it's gonna pass the pass like says Fabregas. I'm like, oh yeah, the Chelsea player. I'm like, no, the one who. How old are they? What, what generation? I know you're trying to rattle Hamza at this point. They must be like five years old, man. No, they're under. <laughs> they are under seven. Come on, man. Who are you talking to, man? They're under. They're they're my under seven team, but yeah, they're literally like um. This new generation, which is mad. Well, but no, sorry. I, 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 I wasn't trying to rattle it. Lewis, you'll know what exactly Yeah, okay. So, um, yeah, top two will be Henri and Rooney. Um, Rooney oh. being a street baller and Henri obviously being a street baller as well. I think they will have that connection, that je ne sais quoi, whatever. So, First of all, I just want to shout out everybody. Well done for picking the king because he is the king. Um, I was going to pick Henri. And then I'm actually going to do something that most Arsenal fans will hate me for saying. What? But Man United Van Persie. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, that was a phenomenal man. <laughs> He's a baller. He won us the league. Was crazy. Even, even I didn't pick him, and I have a yeah. I, oh, oh god, man. He wouldn't no. even bang at six aside, man. That guy. He would. No, yeah. no, he, 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 he would. Not a Not compared to the. Not compared to who we mentioned before that. If you if you didn't play like um against these little kids, I know little kids, but it's like on the six aside court. So you know, there's like at least ten of them, and it's like him and one other Dutch player. And like they're just taking all of them on in a tight space. Like he's close ball control, even in a six aside. Yeah, like, you, it's, the it's thing is, league. he can finish from anywhere as well. That's anywhere, anywhere. Yeah. Doesn't matter what, how the ball is moving. Doesn't matter. As soon as he's there and he sees that opening, it's yeah. But I haven't seen. I think the only finisher like I've seen that I can that I look at as like such a good finisher is like Greenwood. Like the way he finishes, mm. like from yeah. any angle on the in front of the box, it, it's insane how he can. Uh, from the goal, sorry, it's insane how he can uh, finish from such side angles like that as well. At times, mm, That's yeah, it. I haven't seen finishes like that in a minute, actually. Man, he's, he's great. This will be this will be really good content because I'm gonna put these teams out on our social media pages and we'll see who gets the biggest votes. I think it'll be the one with Van Persie and Henri up front because I put Man United Van Persie in there as well. <laughs> yeah, get a, get a lot of hits with that as well, which should be good. Um, but no, uh, what basically why I wanted to do this podcast mainly for because the fact that um, Man United versus Arsenal is on a Thursday on Amazon Prime, it kind of upsets me in a way because being a, a London a Man United fan and you see these big games that we grew up with in terms of these amazing players, these amazing managers and now it's just like a, a boring Thursday night game instead of like a Super Sunday game because it used to be the game every season yeah. to look out for as well. So this is kind of like me trying to just throw back time in a way and just think, you know what, some of these games are really, really good for both Man United and for Arsenal. Probably more in the Premier League for Arsenal, Man United. Maybe more Arsenal. Maybe maybe Man United more in the Champions League and in the Cups, to be fair. But um, that's how I personally see it. So I've asked all of you guys to just remember some of your favourite memories of Arsenal versus Man United or Man United versus Arsenal as well. Um, so MJ, let's hear some of your first thoughts because um, you've got quite a few. And I know for a fact you're going to be rubbing in a few as well to us Man United fans. So <laughs> you know me too well, bro. You know me too well. Uh, all right. I had I come up with three, yeah, and you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if it was the same three as everyone else's, like Lewis and away games as well. So my first one was yeah, obviously winning the title at Old Trafford. You can't get any better than that. You were champions. We come to your your gaff and took the title back, and obviously the commentary will talk. 
it's that, infamous, isn't it? So that stupid gold kit you wore. Yeah, that lovely gold kit, Sega. Oh man, those were the days, man. Jesus. I'm turning into Liverpool fan. Jesus, talking about the past all the time. Flipping hell. Man United fans right now. We talk about the past as well. Arsenal Man United are turning into Liverpool. That's what we got. Exactly. For real. For real. Um, so that was my first choice for obvious reasons. Um my second choice is obviously or maybe not obviously, but my second choice is the two, I think it's 2005 FA Cup final where we uh, beat United on pennies. It was a, we played absolutely shit that game. Um, Bergkamp was up top by himself. That shows you what type of game it was. And um, yeah, we managed to win in the end. Uh, Vieira scored a winning penalty. Ironically, that was his last kick for Arsenal before he left to go Juve. Mm. And I always remember that, that was a uh, young, young Ronnie, Ronnie was there and he was crying at the end of the game with Rio Ferdinand. So it was good to see Ronnie cry that day. Um, and my last choice was... Um... The one my where Marcus choice. Rashford scored twice against Arsenal when Arsenal were uh, fighting that for game. the league. Yeah, that put, game. That one in. put that one in. Then when Ian, Rush, Ian Wright called him Ian, um, Rushman, he called him Rushman that game. Oh, no. He didn't even know his name. Ian Rushman, poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> they nah, called him Marcus Rushman. said Marcus Rashford. Yeah, he, he, he didn't know his name. So he called, instead of saying Marcus Rashford, he said Marcus Rushman. And everyone was just like, who's Rushman? <laughs> yeah, it's, like it's really odd that's how he just wild. messed up his name. Like, it's just, I know, it's that's just Uncle Wright for you, isn't it? Trust me. Uncle Wright. Gotta love you and right. We all gotta love a bit of Uncle Ray. All right, well, my last choice is just gonna be um uh you know what I was gonna, there was a couple of games I was gonna choose, but I'm gonna go for the one where Welbeck scored uh against United in the FA Cup game at Old Trafford. Sorry, Hams, I know I, I know I hurt your feelings there, but it's because I brought it up earlier as well. You didn't hold back the <laughs> celebration either. I, I yeah, I that's what it was. It was the celebration. <laughs> now, for me, that's what that's what made it because it's the celebration that like, you know a lot of these players I, now I can't celebrate because it's my old team. No, no, I celebrate, bro. I need to celebrate at that the Stratford is United fans. So good for him, bro. He's a United fan as well. That's the that's the worst part. Like it's not like it was just an old team. Like he's an actual Man United fan. I, I never wow. understood it. Yep, he's a man boy through and through. That's why I loved him for it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, we love Welbeck over here. Yeah, man. Just for that goal alone. Now, there were some good moments for Arsenal as well. I could think of more of them, to be fair, because they also had pretty good moments, especially in those invincible areas as well. Um, I'll go next. Um, so one of my favourite moments was probably one of the first games I remember, Man United versus Arsenal. Not the one where we lost and Sylvan Wilton scored. It was probably the next season after that. Man United were playing uh, Arsenal. This is when we were the two big dogs in English football. So it was 2002, 2003. And we we're both chasing the title. I think it was around November, December time. Uh, Man United were playing against a uh, full fit Arsenal team. I think Seaman was out. But Man United had no David Beckham. They had no Roy Keane. They had injuries in defence as well. And Man United won 2-0. So Paul Stoles and Sebastian Veron scored in that game. And that will always stick with me because my parents are Arsenal fans. And my uncle's an Arsenal fan as well. So my uncle was like... Um, don't come crying to me when, when Man United lose. And then we saw him like running off, just getting really upset at, at Arsenal losing. And we were like, ha, ah, this is, this, is pain, this is painful for him. Because there's like four of us just all trying to tease him, which is really funny. So that always just sticks in my mind. Um, the other one was 2004, 2005, when uh, Van Nistelrooy uh, made his redemption against, yeah. against Lehman. So he scored uh. that penalty. Uh, Rooney scored to make it 2-0. And end Arsenal's a beaten run. So that was quite oh, good. Cheat. As well. That was a cheat. You cheated. 
I love that so he, he may he may have died, Wayne Rooney. You may have died, but it is what it is. Um, <laughs> but there's there's so many more to go on. There's the Champions League semi-final, there's the FA Cup quarterfinal where we beat you with loads of kids or seven defenders or something like that. Um, mm. there's all those G Sun Park and Nanny Rooney counterattack ones as well. But yeah. I think I think for me, one of my favorite ones was probably the one behind me, eight two. Eight two was quite fun because you're just uh, thinking, what is happening? Like it, to be fair, I think you'll probably agree with me on the way to the podcast. It hasn't really got better in modern times since we beat Arsenal eight two in terms of when we're actually playing against Arsenal because mm. you can look at probably one or two nil wins at the Emirates or Old Trafford, but they're not iconic or they're not big or they're not really memorable for me anyway. Yeah. But that's mm. kind of how I do it for my top three. I I I just two two of yours are actually on my list as well, and um, to be honest. Like with the eight two, I remember vividly being at, at but- Butlins. Mm. Um, my dad and his partner at the time, um, we went with her and her son, and like I was trying to get, I was trying to watch the game, but I couldn't because I was busy looking after him. But then at the same time, it was showing on like a load of different screens, so I kept on sneaking in to mm. the place where they were showing it. And every time I was sneaking, we scored one more. <laughs> I go back outside, I come back. And it's another goal. And I was like, wait, what is going on? I was checking my phone, yeah. And I saw the goal score. And I was like, right, it's Welbeck. It's like Ashley Young. Like, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't like it was mad ballers. I was just like, what is going on? Arsenal, you lot are perfect. That's how I was just feeling. So I never forget where I was, how I felt at that time. So yeah, the 8 2 is definitely in my top three. Um, another one, which it's not a, a Premier League game, so I'm just going to add it as like a little bonus, whatever, um, was 19. 19- 98-99 season uh, where Giggs scored that goal in the FA Cup so mm. um, not Premier League game just a quick bonus because I, I, I think a lot of people probably won't remember but I remember um, Beckham scoring a goal like from far and then I think uh, yeah Arsenal got an equaliser got a penalty yeah and then it could have they could have put us out of the FA Cup and we would have probably only got a double or maybe not even a double, we might have just won um, just won the Champions League. And then Giggs, like, scores in extra time, like, amazing goal. I remember seeing it on Premier League here so many times. I remember, like, being in the, being there, watching it in the moment as well. Um, really young, but it was, like, my standout first memory, really, of United. And Giggs is hairy chest, not ideal. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, also the fact that if we didn't, if we got knocked out of that, Arsenal could have won the double. But we beat Arsenal to knock them out of the FA Cup. So we won that and then we won the league. And I think Arsenal were one point behind us in that league. So we won the treble as a result of that FA Cup win. So that always stands out to me. Um, again, another one, uh, the third memory, one you mentioned as well, after the unbeaten run, 49 games or so. And the whole incident with Van Nistelrooy missing the penalty and then Keon. Keon, like, getting at him, like, all the Arsenal players getting in his face. I was so frustrated for him. I was like, what? You Are oh, you dumb? Like, I, I wanted to go on the pitch and just punch up everyone myself, right? But anyway, I can't do that now. Anyway, but, um, yeah, like, the fact that he got the redemption and then Rooney to get a cheeky tap-in in the 93rd minute, like, just to make it 2-0. It wasn't really a 2-0 game, but just a cheeky one. Um, so, yeah, those definitely stand out. And I think, in terms of recent memory, um, yeah, Millie Rock had the Emirates, man. I think, oh, I think, oh, I think Jay, Jay Ling's yeah, taken was... absolute mick, like just mocking you 
like and getting like a comfortable victory because we've notoriously beaten Arsenal due to counterattacks and Arsenal just never seem to learn their lessons. Mm. And Jay mm. Links even post Sir Alex epitomised that with that goal and celebration and then, you know, that, you know, became the dance floor for him because the next season or so he did like the moonwalk. So it just became a thing. So, but the mini rock at the Emirates is what started that. So, yeah, that's, uh, those are my main memories from Man United Arsenal. That's all good. That's all. Go on, Lewis. Let, let, me hear, let me hear your thoughts before we go to the final one on the way to the podcast. Yeah, I think MJ um, just said, uh, you know, um, winning out. The thing is, my, I'm, I'd say I'm quite young and also my me getting into football was a little bit later. Um, and obviously the success uh, wins against uh, United were few and far in between for a long period of time at one point. But I would say winning at Old Trafford was a big one. Um, I think also, if even just historically as well, the Overmars goal, um, Wenger's first, you know, really putting his uh, imprint on as a manager himself but also what Arsenal have become what he transformed it to that kind of epitomized it that over Mars goal being uh, United but I'd say in recent memory um, otherwise I'll just repeat everything in recent memory um, even though in the grand scheme of it all it wasn't that really big of a game but in that in that small window of what has been one of the most depressing seasons as an Arsenal fan um, beating United uh, at Old Trafford, even though the game itself wasn't that, wasn't really all that. I think it was an Aubameyang penalty. I think. Yeah, last season's one. Last season's one. Yeah, last season's one with Arteta. Only in recent memory, in terms of like <coughs> games, that was a great one. In the short, in that week that it lasted, it was a great, um, a great experience to see because I haven't seen uh, in in a long time. I haven't seen Arsenal beat United in Old Trafford in the league in uh, for as far as I can really remember in terms of watching it live you know um so that was a great feeling especially with it kind of me thinking at the time maybe this might be the turn of a corner and also the way you uh, United fans reacted in regards to Ole as well I thought in recent memory that was a pretty good game uh to watch so I thought that would throw that one in there yeah nicely done um, yeah, let's go for our final one from Away Days podcast. Let's hear your three. I'm guessing they're going to be some free, ridiculously random ones. You'll find out some niche yeah. ones from like the 1980s or something. When I hear it. <laughs> <laughs> so one of my favorite moments that comes to my mind is, I don't know if United fans know this, but one of my favorite goalkeepers that you ever had was Fabian Bartes. Oh I love God. Was it because everyone could score against him? Was that one of yep. the why he... And yeah, if I you remember, there was a time where Omri literally received the ball Need it up, turned shot, and Fabian Bartlett test was just no. It's still offside. It's still offside. No, um, that... <laughs> he did that against the Canio as well, man. Yeah. Didn't learn his lesson. Mm. No, Fabian Bartlett is my favorite Man United goalkeeper of all times. Um... <laughs> <laughs> what even more than Taibi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fabian Bartlett. I remember Fabian Bartlett very well. Yeah. At least Arsenal um... played against Bartlett instead of Taibi. Taibi got binned after like two games. I know yeah. you scored seven against him if you were playing against him that game. <laughs> that's that's um, not disrespect him. That's not disrespect. I would say um, if we're talking more recent history, it's funny that you mentioned the Millie Rock because I don't think you remember what happened after the Millie Rock. Is you guys came to the Emirates again and Ozil San- and Sanchez literally ran right against oh. your team. That was the um, season before. Was it the season before? No. Or two seasons but, before? 
I think there was, a, I think after the Milliwork situation, we did beat you because I think Ozil afterwards tweeted talking about how this is not your dance floor or something like that. Yeah. Mm. But so I think, yeah, that was, that was a nice. Trying to save face. <laughs> we had to beat you. They, 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 they did the job. Um, and yeah, that, that, that was the one where Granite Xhaka scored and De Gea flapped it between it and everyone got onto that dance floor hashtag thing. So, yeah, oh, I remember. Okay, okay. Yes, yeah. yes, you're right. That is the one. That is the one. Yeah. Um, and I'll probably say one of my most favorite is definitely watching Roy Keane and Vieira go at it for years. Yeah. That was that was really entertaining. That's when football and Arsenal and United were really at the top of their game. Yeah. That was that was it. And, and that's something that I don't think Liverpool and Man City have right no, they now. Don't. Although there's like, no rivalry like Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. No rivalry. There was there isn't that passion, that yeah. like aggression. Um, there's no hatred. Still, sure exactly. Hatred. There's no hatred, and there's there's no that you know like for example, if you got on Vieira, the whole of the Arsenal team would be up for you, mm. and if you got into Keane, the whole of the United team would be one to Arsenal. Mm. It doesn't happen like that anymore. Um, I think the only team that thinks that they got that with us is Tottenham, but they don't. Uh, we're far better than them. Um, <laughs> but in terms of that rivalry, yeah, I think United and Arsenal, Vieira and Keane days, that was the best. Mm. Yeah, especially that one in the tunnel in 2005, I think, when uh, Vieira was picking on Neville or Neville was trying to get at Vieira and they had that yeah. recorded or live on Sky Sports at the time, which was fantastic because everyone got to see properly what it was like nowadays. Um, yeah. Like you said you don't see that anymore. You'll see handshakes and hugs in the in oh, the yes. tunnel before the game, and it's a really big game or it's a Champions League final, and you'll just be like, "Oh yeah, this is cool. We're friends in the in- international team and stuff." But yeah. you don't get that anymore. You don't get that pure rivalry in the I'll Premier League. Like you, I'll see you out there. You're going down today, son. That type yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. Never yeah. gonna. It's never gonna. Phil never. Phil and Gary just not even talking to each other before a game. Yeah. <laughs> standing there next to each other. Don't even. <laughs> That time when uh, Gar- when when Peter Schmeichel was the captain of Man City and he goes to shake oh, Gary yeah. Neville, it's like, <laughs> it's like nah, just not talking to yeah. them at all. But no, it's, it's it's one of those things that I kind of missed about uh, football when it was properly properly done, and nowadays it's all just it's it's, it's not the case anymore in terms of the. Are there characters like that at all anymore? Do you think? Can you off the top of your head, like I I can, I can see that, but I don't see that. In the, I don't see that in the Premier League. I don't see that in. Um, these big in these big leagues like you don't see it week in week out like you know how people go oh yeah there's super sunday there's these little rivalries and stuff it's more fabricated by like the media and stuff because like, like a couple of seasons ago there was that whole rivalry of wan bissaka versus sterling it was never oh, yeah. rival- rivalry yeah. they're friends they follow each other and like each other's pictures on instagram <laughs> <laughs> it's not a rivalry they forced it they really forced it yeah they're forcing the agenda no. right there but it, it, you it, know what i would say the only place i can see a proper rivalry is Marseille and Lyon in the French League. Uh, and Paris. Well, they're Marseille dashing bottles at each other and stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, I Bahia is... Every game, no. he's getting something thrown at him, though. It's Guendouzi. Yeah. I, I think that's well. Marseille. Guendouzi, Guendouzi, yeah. Guendouzi I, I think that's just a Marseille thing, to be fair. Because, yeah. like, <laughs> their club have been yeah, banned so many times. Like, the fans are just reckless. But, yeah, because they're the two Olympic clubs, yeah. and then Marseille and Paris, just historically... As two cities, but that's something is they've managed to maintain that rivalry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, like you said, Premier League, even Real Madrid and Barcelona, it's not really that big anymore. Mm. Um, but I think the fans still feel it, though. I think it's different yeah. from the players yeah, and the fans. Though. That's what I think. I think the rivalry comes from the fans. Like there's this whole. Yeah. Uh, I think MJ and I were discussing it previously, just and uh, just chatting. We we're basically talking about like you know all the right backs now. There's no rivalry between them. It's just a rivalry mm. between the fans. So mm-hmm. like Reese James and Trent and Aaron Wabisaka and Cancelo and all of that. It's a rivalry. Like yeah. they care less about one another. 
like Reese James isn't going to get in like first choice England because you've got Carl Walker there and Trippy there and Gareth Southgate knows it's going to be the case, but you will see fans every week going, "Ah, oh, Reese James has done this. What's what Aaron Wan-Bissaka done? We know Aaron <laughs> Wan-Bissaka's crap. We know he's, he's not going to improve anytime <laughs> soon. And, and we know Aaron Wan-Bissaka was the biggest waste of 50 million pounds I've ever seen at Manchester United because he's just not very good. Just, no, but just to quickly jump in, like, I agree with you. Like, but the thing is, personally, this is how I see it, yeah? Like, the Arsenal and United rivalry like died when you beat us 8-2. There's no way you can beat a rival 8-2. And those are still like during the Ferguson and Wenger years as well. They're still yeah, both the managers. Cool. A lot of the players were still there for at that time. So for me, it just died after that. Like, you can't consider yourself a rival if you're getting spanked 8-2 by someone. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah, especially if it's not local. If it's not local, yeah, exactly. It's not local. Yeah, that's true. That's what Liverpool are saying about us now. Well, we beat them five 0 at Old Trafford. They're no, they're nothing to us. Nah, <laughs> they're out of existence like that. And Man United fans are just there, like we'll still beat them at Anfield when we've never beaten them at Anfield for like six, seven years as well. So yeah, they beat us four one, like. At Old Trafford, like with Torres again, and mm. really fell over. They, even when they weren't great, like they've beaten us a couple times, like with a decent margin. At you know, we don't have Asia at all. Yeah, but it's that's what I'm saying. That doesn't mean that we're not rivals anymore. We've whipped yeah. them at, at Anfield, but just not high score lines. Like Wanfield, we dominated like like a lot with Louis Van Gaal kind of thing. Mm. So I mean, for me personally, I say Arsenal's only real rival at the moment is West Ham. <laughs> <laughs> Chelsea are really above us. I can't, I can't compete with Chelsea and the other no. team. There's not, they're, they're not a rival. It's really West Ham because at, no. at least they're competing for the Champions League this season. So it's like we're really there, West Ham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. West Ham might. And Tottenham maybe as well. He nah, didn't want nah. to mention Tottenham. He didn't nah, want to mention. Nah, I didn't want to mention them, but you have to be realistic. <laughs> you have to be realistic. That we're fighting with Tottenham and West Ham and teams like that for the maybe fourth and fifth and sixth to get into Europe. To be honest. No, nah, not Tottenham. Tottenham are out of it this season. <laughs> uh, you never know what Conte could do. Bro. The way you hate Tottenham, that, yeah, it's just too bad. The quality of their side, though, is, is tragic, though. It's tragic. Yeah. And Romero, is it Romero? I think he... Mm, yeah, Romero, yeah. Injured now. Is he injured? I heard he was injured. Yeah. I'm not sure yeah. how long he's out for, but... It's he, a he's been the only one that seemed like a decent... He was, he was playing decently as well for them, but... Man, two seasons ago, we weren't complaining about the quality of their side, though. That's why I don't get like, how all of a sudden... Is it like, oh, they've only got... I, I, I was saying to my friend, I was saying to uh, Michael Lewis, I was saying to Michael, our friend, mm. I was saying that of all the defenders that Tottenham have sold over the years and they've kept, they've kept Ben Davies and Eric Dyer. Like, <laughs> like what's that got to do with, with keeping a defence at Tottenham? Yeah. And they conceding goals <laughs> I was saying, when, when we yeah. started this season, I said to Zim, I was like, mainly all of Tottenham defenders. And it was just a difficult situation. Tanganga. <laughs> That guy yeah. should not be in the Premier League, man. Tanganga's only relevant for literally trying to take out Zaha and and like he's yeah, 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 yeah. bought a camera or something. It's something funny like that. But just... I swear he's the centre back playing right back anyway. Like he doesn't seem like he he's it's good on a ball. It's a Tottenham wing. Mm. <laughs> he doesn't, he, he doesn't think that I don't think he deserves to be on a football pitch for Tottenham. Like Lewis said, he's not a Premier League player. He's not a Premier League player, man. No, come on. Come on. He's a liability. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, just to finish off the podcast here, I just wanted to know a bit more um, just about um, the season in general. How do you see Arsenal going for the Arsenal fans and for the Man United fans? How do you see Man United fans um, supporting Ralph Ragnick for the rest of the season? So Arsenal fans, let's hear it. MJ Lewis, one half of Away Days podcast. How do you see Arsenal finishing the season? Do you reckon you can get an FA Cup in there? Do you reckon Arteta can take you forward? How do we think? Um, I'm hoping for an FA Cup. Um, 
an FA Cup in fourth would be great. My worry is December, because I've, I've from the season the Arsenal fans will know December's always our treacherous month. Is where we get the injuries. You're the us in December as well. Yeah. So mm. December's usually our bad month. But for the first time, I think that December started where we don't have many injuries. Um, I think Saka looks like he's out, but Martinelli will probably come in, which is not a bad substitution for me. Um, so yeah, that's why for me, I think this is the month where for me, I think if we're still in that top four conversation in January. I think we'll manage it because I know usually, again, coming back to it, between January and May, that's usually Arsenal's best part of their season. So I think so far we've actually gone the opposite way and I'm hoping it doesn't go the opposite way where January to May, we're now just falling apart. Um, I hope we just go from strength to strength. So I am I assume top four finish in an FA Cup and that's overachieving. That's brilliant for Arteta. I think I can agree with that. And I think for one reason, I think MJ and Lewis will agree, it's the fact that for the first time in a long time, Arsenal don't have European football come February and you don't have yeah. that Europa League fixture or that Champions League fixture to worry about. You literally just have league and potentially <clears throat> FA Cup fixtures about. Yeah. And um, Lewis, how do you see that going from December onwards? Do you reckon that will keep Arsenal consistently in that top four fight with less games yeah, and potentially one or two more signings? Yeah, yeah, I agree. With we have to consider AFCON as well um, yeah. uh, because our most important midfielder will probably not be present um, for a key part, period of the season. And I do think the weakest part of our team is the midfield um, because once you take him out, then we our other options, depending on Jacko's return, is going to be um, you, young players, uh, Lukonga yeah. and a- Maitland-Niles, who actually is more senior than some of the players we have in our first team, mm. um, and Elneny. So... Yeah. Is El Nenny so, off to Afcon, or is he just going to be? Oh even... yeah, El Nenny will be Egypt, off to Afcon. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. he's, yeah, he's Afcon, e- yeah, yeah. Egyptian, so he'll be gone as well. So that's even worse for us. I think. I think that's going to be a testing period for us. Obviously, I think any Arsenal fan would say that they didn't. If you told us we'd be in the position we are now mm-hmm. at the start, especially considering the first three games, yeah, uh, we would have been like, yeah, we would have taken it in a heartbeat, you know. Um, and I think one of the biggest things that. Um, we have to give credit to Arteta for and Edu for, which uh, I don't know how you guys feel about him as a manager. Um, my, I'm going to fully judge him by the end of the season, to be honest, but I think at the moment you've got to back him. Um, but the signings that they've made over the summer, I'm sorry, uh, no one could have imagined Ramsdale. I don't think anyone, even Ramsdale probably himself, imagined them him performing the way he's been performing. Uh, I think on form, he's probably the most exciting keeper to be out at the moment. And um, then you're looking at the back line, Ben White, if we're looking at the signing itself and what he's doing at the moment, he's quietly doing his thing and he's proving to be a strong player. Um, and even some of the mistakes he's been making at the start of the season, he's he's now correcting, uh, especially in the air. I think people yeah. need to give him a bit more credit. He's been a lot better in the air than he has previously, especially mm-hmm. in um, in some of the beginning games. Uh, Tommy Yasu, I mean, yeah, I mean, even Tavares, I mean, yeah, we've got some exciting signings now and something to build on. I think there's key areas compared to maybe by the end of last season that have been sorted out, especially the defence, and then we can build upon that. I think Sean said it's just about where we are come January and then where we can where we can see ourselves being by the end of the season. But as an expectation, you know, I think I've always said it would be top six because that shows progress. But if we're looking at the most, if we're looking at like really overachieving, as he said, top four and A Cup, now yeah. let's see, you're out the Carabao Cup, 
a cup would be great. Some silverware would be great, yeah. So that's where I see it. That's okay. MJ, how do you see Mikel Arteta? Do you reckon if he does get you that top four around the FA Cup, best case scenario, he is going to be the future for the, another two, three years at Arsenal? Do you reckon there is going to be a future change coming up for uh, Mikel Arteta? How do you see that, MJ? Um, I think if Arteta does get top four, then I think he deserves to stay in charge or maybe at least give it another couple of years. Mm. Uh, me personally, that's more hope than expectation. I don't expect us to get top four. If we do get it, it'd be great, obviously. I still think it's, it's like top six for us, really. Um, I wouldn't even rule out United getting in the top four, which I know a lot of people might be thinking that's a bit mad. But with Ralph Rennick coming in, and you have to remember they do have the players there. It's just more about the structure of the team. But looking from an Arsenal perspective, yeah, um, top six for me. Um, if we can get a cup as well, that'd be great. Like we've done with the FA Cup a couple of years ago. Um, I, I, I don't know, man. I'm just, you know, like that saying, one spin, twice shy. Like I've been hurt by Arsenal quite a lot in the past 10 years. So it's going to take me quite a lot to be like, okay, yeah, that really now I can fully get behind the team. Um, obviously, I do support the team every week and want them to do well, want them to win. But like when, when we was playing and we're playing at Anfield a couple of weeks ago, I was just like, you've got to write this game off. Even before the game, I was like, we're going to win this, we're not going to get a draw. Uh, yeah, the top three are gone clear. We're not on their level. We can't really compete with them at the moment. But everything else is quite open. And I reckon that top four is open uh, to see whoever wants it the most, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's just literally, um, like we said, like we heard earlier, it's literally just fight for scraps. Mm. But it's it's the, mm. the the best three, then the next best three, literally. Mm-hmm. And the best yeah. of them gets Champions League football. Yeah. Yep. Do you reckon Man United could get that fourth place, do you reckon we can actually get back into the top four? And do you reckon Ralph Ragnick has got it in him to change his team's fortunes around within six months? I think that's definitely what we are aiming for. I think you can't go into the season expecting to be tight for the cha- um, challenging for the title and then, you know, halfway through, just give up on top four. Like, it's not even the same parameter at the beginning. So, yeah, that's what we have to sort of aim for. Um, so that that's, like, number one objective unfortunately, because it's not a trophy, but we have to be in the Champions League, you know, with the players we have. Um, then I think, yeah, focusing on, you know, we're out of the uh, Carabao Cup. It could be a blessing in disguise in a sense of like less fixtures. Um, and uh, so I think, but I think the Champions League will be nice to see us get like, you know, as far a run as possible. Um, you were going to say quarterfinals you were going to say quarterfinals that's the thing it it depends on the draw it depends on the draw and now like they've scrapped the away goal rule so I don't know if that will work in our favour but I think definitely now we're um, a cup team Um, I think I'm looking forward to seeing um, Ralph Ragnick put in a style of play Um, you know I want to see like the players know which passes to do and to have like some patterns within the next few weeks and then like for it to be second nature going forward, like months down the line. Um, I'm also looking, obviously, I guess, beyond the season, but like, you know, he's tactically flexible, um, formationally flexible as well. Uh, And I think one thing that is consistent with his flexibility is the use of quality fullbacks. Now we saw- Which we lack. Which we lack. 
exactly. Like so six fullbacks and none of them can cross the ball in properly. Yes, I, I mean that's the thing. I mean, Shaw's a decent cross of the ball, but he just barely goes past the halfway line. You know, like last season he was doing it more and more, but now he's a bit more of a liability. And mm. I think it will be with his comments on Shaw. Be interested to see how Shaw bounces back, if you will. Um, yeah, for. For the listeners or for the people who don't know, Ralph Ragnick a couple of seasons ago was saying Man United would be good if they're decent fullbacks. Luke Short isn't one of them. I'm paraphrasing yeah. it, but he said this a couple of seasons ago. Something along those really? lines. Yeah. He said he's not at the level that, you know, a club like Man United. Um, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but also, even with Wambasaka, like great one on one defender, but going forward, like even yeah. in our academy, um, Ethan Laird um, is a youngster. He's out on loan with Swansea at the moment. Um, but his issue has never been like ability, which is you probably haven't heard of him because he hasn't, you know, had a debut yet. But it's been fitness, so you know uh, he's not going to come back, you know, in January. But you know, having the having Ralph Ragnick and him, he's always uh, implemented youth and players from the academy. So I'm looking to see that going forwards, as well as getting the best out of you know technical high pressing fast players like uh, Sancho, Greenwood, Rashford. Um, so, yeah, I want to see the style of play. I want a good Champions League run and definitely top four. And we'll see what the FA Cup's saying. So, yeah. Uh, I think Man United are going to be dreadful for the rest of the season. So oh, man. He's doing it again, guys. I'm, he's done I'm... it all, He's done it a few times for me before. <laughs> the worst thing is, you, you, it's, it's one of those things that I'm literally looking at what we actually have seen from Man United this season. And the only positives I've seen is in the Champions League when CR7 has dug us out of grave after grave after grave. Because you're looking at it thinking, we are unfortunately a cup team. We can't win a cup. In a league, <laughs> yeah, it's true. We can't win a cup, but we play in a cup team mentality with a cup team mentality. In the league, um, like I said to MJ a couple of weeks ago, we're nowhere near the top and we're nowhere near on terms of uh, tactics, in terms of or personnel we've got. But in terms of tactics, we're way off it as well. It's ridiculous. Gotcha. Yeah. You were just looking at the fact that we've had Solskjaer for three years compared to Tuchel, compared to Conte, compared to... Um, even Emery outsmarted us quite a few times, not in, just in the Europa League, but for Arsenal as well. We lost to uh, Arsenal at home and away with our test from Emery as well. So looking at it, thinking, can we get better on the Ragnik? Of course we can. But can we get to a significant stage in, in, in the season where we're thinking, you know what, we're quite comfortable with this, with this way of play. We're, are we going to be comfortable winning a, a trophy? No. Top four is probably the best I can hope for. FA Cup. FA Cup is always about luck. Every season you see, it's not always the best team winning it. Unless you're Man City when they won like six or seven, one against Watford that season. Most, mm -hmm. Nine times out of ten, it's always, there's a bit of luck in it as well. There's that season where um, Wigan won it a couple of years ago against Man City. So I'm always one for luck. But Man United, um, so far luck's run out because... We've used it all in the Champions League group stages with Cristiano Ronaldo, so that's kind of how I see it. But um, as much as I want Man United to win and do well, I don't think we're going to do well. And unless I see significant changes over the next two months for Man United under Ralph Ragnick, my opinion isn't going to change. Now, um, just to quickly jump in, though, uh, Hams, like, from, mm. from, obviously I'm an Arsenal fan, but looking from the outside, looking in, for me, it's always a strange in the summer where you didn't get another midfielder or another yeah. DM. Like you spend so much money on Sancho and getting Varane in. Yeah. But for me, like McTominay and Fred, that's the issue. That's the big issue. If you look around the other teams, they've got players that they can rely on in that centre midfield and protect their defence. They don't seem to protect the defence or progress the ball 
quickly yeah. enough to, for mm. your attackers as well. So I think there's players out there. I mean, there's look, there's Calvin Phillips, there's Declan Rice, there's Basuma. There's players that you can actually get that could probably strengthen your midfield. And for me, that's one of the things that they've neglected. And they've never even really given, what, until recent weeks, they haven't even given Van der Bleek a little bit either. Van der Bleek, you know. Nah, <laughs> Van der Bleek. That's what having a, having a sporting director will do. And that's the thing. Yeah. Like, that's what Ralph Lang... That is true. To, for me, uh, sorry, for me, it's basically the fact, as you mentioned, MJ, for the last three years, we've had Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And for the last three years, we haven't had a whole midfielder in. The way I see it is he played Fred and McTominay in that all-crucial game against uh, PSG when we won um, in Paris. And Fred McTominay was his holding midfield. And he thought, you know what? These two guys can do it for me. He got rid of Herrera. Matic Mm -hmm. got benched in that next Mm -hmm. season when COVID happened. He'd still play Pogba and Matic or Pogba and Fred or whatever. Andres Pereira would play for God knows uh, how long as well. Then he got Bruno Fernandes in January. And then... He solved our midfield problems for scoring and attacking and creating, which is perfectly fine. But we spent money like 37 million on Diallo. We spent 15 million on Pelistri. We spent uh, 15 million on Alex Tellers. We, like I said, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, 50 million. God knows how much we spent on him. For, for that 80 million for Maguire, we, we spent 35 million on Donny van der Beek. Um, like you said, 73 million on Sancho this summer as well. And money could have been spent wisely on like a Haidara or a Kessie or a Declan Rice. It seems to have been a consistent theme. Seems to have been a consistent theme though since Fergie. Though, like, I mean, we can we can go on about some United transfers that you couldn't. I mean, like a Falcao, even Maria. Maria. Yeah. Ooh, mm. I mean, some of Morgan these... Schneiderlin. Schneiderlin. Yeah. Schneiderlin. I forgot yeah. about that one. And I think it's the name. You know, the, these are big name players. You know, I think United have always. Seems like even from the top, it seems like we have to get that big name kind of thing going on. Like, you know um, what? Yeah, I, go on. sorry to cut you off there. I think to one of the things is obviously I'm an Arsenal fan, but I know that we've had this problem is that I think sometimes us as fans of our teams, we think we have this name that's like, oh, yeah, if I if we just put the money in the table for a player like Declan Rice, he's gonna come. Mm. But at the same time, I think about Declan Rice as being a figure to himself. Okay, if I go to Man United. I do get the bigger contract and I do pay for the bigger club. I get Champions League football. But will I, but will they really manage to do those things? Whereas if you're staying at West Ham, it's like, okay, we're not expected to do these things, but we might just do big things. And I think that's where it kind of comes. And I think Arsenal and Man United, genuinely speaking, I think we've just lost our names. I think we've just lost the identity of who we used to be because it's like, okay, you can go to Man United. For example, I think Varane, even Real Madrid are coming to United. It's the pull of Man United. But I'm sure if you asked him, do you actually think you're going to win a cup after United's recent history? I think you got a different answer there because United haven't been winning cups. Yeah, but the pool, the pool's still there. At least. Yeah. Like, the, the attraction's still there. I think um, smaller clubs don't need to like sell their players because the Premier League, like in terms of money distribution, mm. like a lot of the smaller teams are are rich. Yeah. So they don't need to sell their players, which is why we're paying even pre like more of a premium price. Mm. It doesn't work the same in, in other leagues like where it's more like lopsided to yeah. towards I, I, I don't know. I just, I just feel like nowadays when you're looking at footballers, I don't think they're really attracted to the bigger names. And I think when we're talking about the bigger names, I think more of the attraction is to the Man Cities and the Liverpools than it is to Man United and Arsenal. Just to jump in as well, I think a lot of the times as well, you know, uh, like like I was saying, United is still a big pool for players. Yeah. But what I think as well is the players' mentality. They think that okay, with me there, we can achieve this, or we can go on to do this with me there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think they look at it as what they can offer towards the club in mm-hmm. turn for the club to reach their goal. And I think you got players like 
Sancho, Varane, Ronaldo, like in the summer, they're all thinking like, yeah, with all of us there, we can we can we can win the league or we can challenge or we can challenge for the Champions League. So I think that's the point that we're not that we thought to mention is that how a player would see themselves helping the club towards mm. their goals yeah. as well. So that happened a lot. That, that happened well. a lot at Arsenal because the thing is, I think that um, statement Sean, like applies more to Arsenal, less United because of how unsuccessful we've been in the Premier League. Um, uh, in a in a much longer period, um, mm-hmm. in comparison to um, United, and they it's undeniable they are the biggest name brand mm. worldwide in football um, coming out of the Premier League and have been like that for for how many years? Decades. Since the start right? of the Premier League, really. Decades, decades. Yeah, yeah. Since mm. the start of the Premier League, and and Arsenal have always been there, but um, you know, top three people always say it's Man United, Liverpool, and Arsenal just considering the history and the legacy of these clubs. But I'd say in recent history, that's happened with Arsenal. The name is kind of... But it will come again. It will happen again, you know. I think, Ooh, you know, Liverpool... So, yeah, I mean, in 1989, if we're looking at 1989, if we're looking at the George Graham period before um, even Wenger, there's so many times Arsenal, even Liverpool, became cup teams, weren't really challenging for a Premier League, were kind of going in and around the top four, top five, etc., um, Wenger really made um, Arsenal that global, global, like continental yeah. brand. Yeah. You know what I mean? That Definitely. United only just started with um, with the dominance they had once they came in with the Premier League. But I've always been the biggest club in the Premier League, um, and now Liverpool. You could only say Klopp really re redesigned the club almost in a way that it, the Liverpool name that's always been attached to it is kind of associated with it again almost mm, like that yeah, yeah. in the Premier League because there's some there's a long period they were like a banter side you know what I mean and I think with Arsenal it, when you have that consistency when you have that when you have a club that has stars that come out of the club as stars and become stars in that club again and have this identity that shaped the club um, then it will happen again and it, the same thing will happen for United the, these clubs are too big not to be mm. where they are in a long period in this period of time and regardless of what the Cronkays and the Glazers do to run the clubs to the ground, there will be, just purely because of their fan base and the club's stature, the club will somehow, it will just become the club it becomes again, purely because of the legacy that we have in English, English football. Same with Barcelona and Real Madrid, you know. Mm. Um, so I always think that point always stands for the club, like that it will come back again, that thing will come back again. What pulls the players to the club is also that acknowledgement, but Back to the original point, like you had players like Fabregas, Van Persie, you had a lot of world-class players at Arsenal that knew in this coming transfer window, we're not going to get these guys. We're not going to get Premier League winning players. They're going to run down the contract and Arsenal have not been ruthless with the transfers and have let it stall and stall and stall, etc. At least with United, every summer, they're trying and trying again. And by the end of the transfer window, regardless of how they're going to perform in the season, United fans are going to be, including probably players as well, are going to be like, yeah, man, this is the team. But that's funny that you say that, because I feel like United, a lot of their transfers have just been there to please the fans. I don't think there's been any structure behind United signings. I think it's just been, do you know what, the fans really want Sancho, let's just go and get him. And it's never been really like a thought process as to, okay, what's been. the team I should have been? Like, I believe Ronaldo, as much as Zim would disagree with me, I don't believe Ronaldo was wanted by United until the Man City rumours came. Yeah, I feel the same. I'm looking cynically at it. Oh, well. but it's, it's all speculation, like it. though. It's yeah, all speculation. It's speculation. Like, like I, I don't think, like, him being available, because he was only made available, like, 
late on in the transfer window. Definitely, like, definitely. Yeah, like it's not it's not because oh City we have to like buck, buck in. It's more that oh he's available. We yes. need more goals. Like yeah, like. But then even still, like for example, another one that you know I don't like is Cavani. He was sitting at home for three for a time, and United came in last minute yeah. because they knew they needed a, a striker. Needed a striker that would excite the fans. It was a good signing. It was a good signing, but what I mean is the Glazers just always go for, okay, what will excite Agreed. the fans? But yeah. there's no plan behind what this Fact, is going to yeah. do. That being no, said, we've been though, saying right? that all our, like the Man United fans know this, yeah. like, and that's the thing, like, and if they can't pull the wall over our eyes and we're hoping Anyone. that, that, you know, Ralph, like, fixes it, like, actually has a plan, you know? Yeah. Like, they've been given renewing contracts to like some Jones and players that yeah, haven't Jones. played a minute. <sighs> And that's why we can't sell them on, you know? Yeah. And that's why we're in, like, the situation with Pogba at the moment, not signing a contract. Like, there's no plan. If they yeah, knew was... that he wasn't going to sign a contract, like, sell him in the summer. Like, it's, there's no plan. So now we're just hoping we, we get a plan. So. And and well, he, sorry, yeah. I was going to say, he would have actually signed if there really was An something in place where he saw United getting to a position where they could win trophies, like, seriously win trophies. I mean... Uh, his agent and everything it's been a constant theme like ah, oh, now yeah. Pogba's a bit he's looking forward now Ronaldo signed etc he's yeah. oh he, now I don't know man he, he, he creates out press now. like no one else <laughs> like any new haircut like front page like, oh yeah, yeah. So he does that at the most random times as well Raiola as well but um, yeah it goes back to the original point of why Zimba and I are, are excited about Ralph Ragnick because just like with Klopp at Liverpool and Pep at uh, Man City a lot of the Premier League now is you're looking at the, the stature of manager in terms of who you have and what they've done in the game, not just in the Premier League. Klopp has done that at Liverpool. Pep has done that at Man City. Tuchel has now done that at Chelsea. So with Radnick at Man United, um, to finish on a positive note, even if he doesn't have the greatest of six months as a manager in the boardroom, teaching these uh, businessmen, these accountants, how to deal with financial, um, financial situations in football, how to negotiate contracts, how to deal with transfers properly, who to sign, who to scout properly, will be better than the last nine, ten years, I would say. And I think Zimmer would agree with me on that because that's kind of what we want and what we needed for a good number of years. Instead of uh, players that will appease the fans, maybe a transfer window like um, Arsenal had with a lot of these young upcoming players from different parts of Europe coming in to actually fit the puzzle, which works well properly. Which is Yeah, now for me, I would have to say, I don't know if Lewis would agree, but I think the last transfer window for Arsenal perspective I think that was the first time in a while where you've seen like a concise plan and yeah. transfer strategy and you know we, like you said we bought a lot of players all under 23 that can all grow together and come up together and I think that's the first time in a while you've seen us proper, come up with a proper strategy and do what we've got to do you know and it's starting to bear fruit at the moment hopefully yeah. it can uh, continue and this is all um, especially considering the fans this is all going against what the fans were really thinking. You know, I mean, the Ramsdale transfer, Tommy Yasu, um, not just the Arsenal fans, but also the media. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was constant 50 million for Ben Wallace, that all of these exactly. things, you know. I mean, Arsenal fans were like looking by the end of it. You saw the memes, you know, mm-hmm. we spent how we spent the most in Europe. Yep. You know, um, Edu, you know, and, and this is off the back of successive transfer windows that have been, very, very hit and miss, you know. Mm. For for nearly every signing, or every signing to have to be in and around the first team and making the impact they are is unreal. Like the, this is the best transfer window I've seen uh, coming out of Arsenal since probably when Urs will sign for Arsenal, Sanchez, like mm. those moments. 
But you know, the only negative I'll say is maybe offloading maybe more players that I would like I would have liked to offload more yeah. players. But this is the best transfer window I've seen in ages. If we can build mm. upon that, and it's clear, I mean I'm already seeing media little little hints seeing that Arsenal are interested in the right areas, midfielder, mm. striker. We know Lacazette's going to be leaving by the end of the summer, it looks like, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not Probably Oba as well, maybe. Yeah, Oba, you know. And, you know, the, there's a clear strategy in place while compared to before where we, you'd sign a player that had a broken back um, in January and he wouldn't even play one game. You signed him to fill <laughs> Willian. I mean, even recently, Willian, but like, even with stat, like some of these paper over the crack mm. signings, yeah. This is the first time we're really like guttering the team out. Yes. And, and building. bringing in. Yeah, yeah. And you, you know, the ups and downs are going to be there. That's why it makes the losses like that 4 0 Liverpool. I don't know how you felt about that, MJ. Um, oh, I mean, it was obviously it hurt, but it didn't hurt as much as knowing you had players that were on their way compared yeah. to knowing yeah. there's players at their peak, like Mustafi, etc., getting rinsed. <laughs> Yeah, rinsed. Yeah. I think the thing is as well with the Liverpool defeat. I don't know if you guys watched the game, but that first half, I yeah. wasn't disappointed. No, I was like, do you know what? It was your war, and it, it it's it's crazy. But when we think about it, Liverpool are just way ahead of us. Yeah, yeah. So when they came out and just went up that set that next gear, we just couldn't live with it. And it was like, do you know what? It's understandable. It would have been mm-hmm. nice if it was a two 0 maybe. We'd be like, okay, cool. Do you know we could take that. Mm-hmm. But it's just Liverpool. They are very destructive, and they will destroy if they need to, and they did. Um, but that first half, we managed them really well. We really were in the game for quite a lot of that first half. Carter's made a mistake. He he got the fan ru- fans yeah, riled up. Yeah, you could oh, say that. Yeah, to yeah. Be fair. Things changed after that. But then at the same time, as you said, I think I agree with you completely, Lewis. I think for me, the time when I really started to believe in Arteta is when he got rid of the Ozil's, got rid of Mustafi, got rid of all these players. And it was literally a case of, it wasn't a case of anymore about Arsenal being like, okay, we need these players, we need the experience. Mm-hmm. It was, you're not good enough, you're not playing. Mm-hmm. You're not in this club anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was like, that's what we needed. We needed something that was going to be very cutthroat, very ruthless with everything and just be like, I don't want you here and actually get rid of them. Whereas I think for me with Emery, I never really liked the Emery signing. Although we were playing so well and all the Arsenal fans always say, oh my gosh, we played under Emery, we were just playing free flow of football. I don't think he was the manager to really take us any further because he just just didn't seem like he understood how crap some of our players were. I think, yeah. I think so. I think he was just trying to work with what he had and didn't want to rock yeah. the boat too much. Well, I think Arteta and Edu, credit to them, especially because, you know, they're so young and they're making mistakes. Yeah. Um, like the Willian Trant, there are going to be mistakes, you know. There, there is going to be a big, big, big stain on that. And we managed to get out of that unscathed because he, he, he let us keep the 20 million that he was meant to get when the contract was ripped yeah. up. And we got Tommy Yasu, you know. Mm. So, yeah. so these are moments where I kind of look at them and think, um, you know, in hindsight, you obviously it's a, in the, at the time. But if you if you look at it and review it, you kind of it makes sense what he's doing overall in in the grand scheme of it. And for him to convince the board to do that, the way they have been making the transfers, etc., it's it's a different style of approach that I haven't seen in how many years. Even during the tail end of Wenger, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of legacy signings from Wenger to, towards his end still at the club that just aren't good yeah. enough, like Xhaka, etc. Mm. That for yeah long period of time was still consistently playing and I, and I was frustrated at Arteta before maybe last season when he was still putting it in playing these players but I think now that you can see what's been going on with this window and everything and what he's pushing now it, mm. it makes a lot of sense to but, say that he will get our success that's a different question you know 
it's crazy that is, that, you that is a different question and um hate to break it up but i think that's the end of the podcast because oh. literally we could go on for hours about this and i'm loving this conversation but it's past my bedtime i'm afraid <laughs> <laughs> it's a school nah. night it's a school Ily. night for me it's a school night for me um but no just to close it off away games podcast um you're back on the podcast whenever we can because this has been great it's been great conversation it's been, it's been good man thanks for having us, thanks for having us. Uh, anytime anytime mj you know you know where i am so i'm going to be back on your channel anytime soon for your um little show that you're having why don't you just tell us a bit about it before we close off the show what you got coming up yeah man you know what i would like to have all of you guys on coming on our podcast we're going to be <clears throat> starting up a new mini series called uh, ledge or wedge so basically what we'll be doing from your supported clubs we'll get about 20 legends we'll pair them up and you have to choose between one or the other so for example lewis i'll say to you ian wright or thierry Henry. oh okay away game zim i'll say to you like berbatov or sharing or Cole or York, you have to choose one of them. Ooh. Yeah, so we're gonna get after I'm gonna give you all the shout, Lewis. I need your deal so I can give you a shout as well. Right. But yeah, all of you guys, I need you on there, man. Yeah, and I'm changing, I'm changing my football club for that, so I'm just gonna be <laughs> one that as well. So I'll, I'll do like Mark Noble and I'll just be like Mark, no, Mark Noble's cool, it's cool, it's cool <laughs> as well. So it should be good. Um, oh, yeah, no, thanks for having me, Hams, anyway, bro. No, I'll see you soon. And I, yeah, I did man. say, I think by this week, I'll still be able to record an episode. That's cool, cool, man. Yeah, I'll give you a shout. I'll give you a text. I'll give you a message. Definitely, man. And Lewis, it's good to catch up with you. I'm glad that you Cheers. followed the podcast. It's, it's quite cool seeing your, your ad. I was like, oh, Lewis, Lewis follows the podcast. Yeah. So I'm, glad, I'm glad I got you on for the Arsenal podcast that we had on this week. So hopefully everyone enjoys the game. Um, hopefully everyone stays safe in this little COVID period that we have in the UK. Everyone listening, thank you very much. Hope you've enjoyed it. Take care and goodbye. Peace.